I'm Ava. I'm Neve. And I'm Brayden. And this is Return to Camp Half-Blood. Join us as we journey back through a childhood favorite series. And see what lessons we can learn as adults from these books that meant so much to us as kids. Well, hello there. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, you can really tell it's 1.14 in the morning. <laughs> This is, I think, the the soonest to release we've recorded any episode. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> it is uh, 1.14 on Saturday night uh, slash Sunday morning. And the this episode's going to be up at 7 this morning. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, right? We, no- we normally post episodes... Or we record episodes like three weeks before we post them. Mm -hmm. But today I was like, you know, it's Pride Month and we haven't done anything Pride related. Uh, So I just want to have a a little chit chat about it and just talk because it's Pride weekend and it's been on my mind. Uh, Felt. Yeah. So queer representation in Percy Jackson books. And I guess the Riordan verse in general. Mm. It's not bad. It's really not. <laughs> no, not bad. There has been, so I, I'm so sorry that I'm making it about this, but I have been watching like a TV show from the earlier 2000s recently. And I really thought that any sort of LGBT re- representation was going to be shot. Like it was going to be bad just because it's a little bit older. Um but it was it was kind of made at the same time as you know the Percy Jackson books, and they both did a really surprisingly good job. So I'm like kind of eager to delve into more like more early 2000s media because I think it's more accepting and more legit than I thought. Um, Is it so like out? literally you bring anyone who watches House finds a way to include House in? I'm so sorry, you guys are. So- <laughs> I refuse to watch House because of this. You have to. (laughs) I'm busy. What do you need? (laughs) Okay, it's incredible. Oh. Oh, no. (laughs) I'm going to need to do some reconfiguration. What did you do? What happened? Okay, sorry for that uh, little (laughs) detour that just happened. Uh, Neve had a situation she had to deal with, uh, but we're back now. Um, that makes it sound like so much more serious than it was. I just need to get something from my room. <laughs> house caught on fire. <laughs> yeah, Real quick. she's recording from outside right now. We yeah. really need to get this episode recorded and done. So uh-huh. we thought, um, since her laptop was the only thing she saved from the fire, we could still continue. Yeah, that's definitely the truth. So, so gay things. To... Yeah, gay. Th- all right, all right. Um, but yeah, the representation. Well, okay. We'll start off with the representation in the initial Percy Jackson series isn't existent. Yeah, I was about to say it's like pretty much not there. But, but the Heroes of Olympus series was that when you get into it, huh? Yes, it's like I I really admire Rick Riordan's like building of a popular franchise and then he's like bam you accepted the straight white male here's some representation right Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Because not not only is does Heroes of Olympus start to include queer characters, uh, it is a much more racially diverse series. That's um, real. It really is. The the initial series has some diversity. Actually, a lot. It's not necessarily addressed the ethnicities of a lot of the characters. Yeah. yeah. But that. But some are. I know, like Charles Beckendorf, is pointed out to be black, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I remember that. I can't. Ethan Nakamura. Mm-hmm. I can't think of any others off the top of my head that are designated. But also, I we're still in our midst of rereading these books, so there might be something in there. I guess we just read uh, the Medusa chapter. Um, well, our audience hasn't read it yet, but we have because we recorded them early. But and she's Middle Eastern, so. But German is not. Yeah, but we're here to talk about gay things. We are. Um, which basically means. Nico D'Angelo. That's so oh my good. god. I, I love him. Uh, I it, it feels like part of me feels like oh I shouldn't like that. It almost feels like a retcon of like the original books that when he comes out they're like oh he's been gay the whole time like because obviously that's how it works as a gay person. I know that's how it works. Yeah. And part of me feels like it should be a retcon. But it makes me love him even more in the original books. I'm like, I know we don't know you're gay yet. Like, you don't know you're gay yet, but we know you're gay now. Exactly. No, you have the little secret. <laughs> and it's just like um, in one of my classes this year, or no, right when we were in the same class, the, um, our professor was like reading the play backwards. And like, it's so that. It's so reading the books slash plays backwards. It's so like, <laughs> I know this thing about you. Like, <laughs> oh, it's so fun. No, exactly. Uh, and I do have to say, well, obviously, Nico D'Angelo, his coming out scene helped me come out, I right? Love, I really love that. Like, I, it was either, like, right before I was coming out or, like, while I was coming out that House of Hades came, the book came out, and <laughs> I read that chapter. I remember, I think I listened to it on audiobook instead of reading it. Which is kind of shameful of me for like the first time. Well, I was in middle school. Now every book I listen to is audiobook first, right? <laughs> but like I re like rewound it and like listened to it. Be like I was like, wait, did I like hear that right? Did I understand what is happening? That's yeah. Mm-hmm. No, that's honestly fair. Because you, it's not something you expect. Like, and it's that sounds weird to say but like as a queer person myself like it's like when I hear something like that in media when I see something like that in media and it's a character that I you know like that's not just like a token that's not just like thrown in there for fun like I always kind of do a double take because I'm like oh like you know like too good to be true right but then you know so often it's not and it's just so good (laughs) so so good yeah. And Solangelo, like, come on. Yeah. yeah. We gotta love it. It's so cute. And some you people holding the tripod while talking <laughs> about this is such a view. Yeah. Since this is a visual medium, you can all see yeah. that I'm fidgeting with a, a bendy tripod right now. Literally. Podcasting is a visual medium. Yeah, no, exactly. That's what I just said, Neve. 
<laughs> I'll just leave the call now. It's no big deal. I'll just. <laughs> yeah, wow. <laughs> wow. Um, so more gay people. <laughs> yeah, always. <laughs> just list them. <laughs> Uh, Start from the top, Nathan Lane, like <laughs> RuPaul. <laughs> Even though I just said RuPaul, I would like to uh, say that this podcast does not endorse RuPaul and his transphobic tendencies and fracking. I was gonna say, I was gonna say, you said RuPaul, but I know how you have feelings about RuPaul. <laughs> Yeah, but, but like, he's the gay part. Like, when you're like, oh, gay people. And everyone's like, oh, RuPaul. I don't know why I thought of Nathan Lane. (laughs) But I did. (laughs) It was the first thing that came to your mind. It was. It was just boring. I've actually grown up with him. That's so weird. But, like, my dad has always loved the producers. So, like, we always, like, would watch. I don't love the producers. It gives me mixed feelings about uh, political things. However, um... But Nathan Lane was just, like, always on my TV. (laughs) You guys have seen The Birdcage, right? I've seen, like, not fully, but, like, essentially, yes. Not straight through. Uh, gay through? Yeah, essentially. (laughs) I mean, what else, right? (laughs) That's, like, how I've watched The Breakfast Club. Like, I've seen, like, right? (gasps) I've watched you. I've seen the beginning, middle, and end of The Breakfast Club, but, like, never no, all I the way through. That. I've seen the ending scene so many times for, for a person who's never seen, like, a good chunk of the middle, like... Well, because it's probably because you've watched Pitch Perfect a lot. It's because I watched the Victorious episode, The Breakfast Bunch, a lot. Um, <laughs> breakfast Bunch. A classic. Very good. Uh, I mean, we could sort of discuss how, like... I don't know. I, I I don't know if Nico's, you know, coming out. I don't know if all of that influenced other types of media, but I wouldn't doubt it. Like what other kind of like, I don't know. I, I just find it really interesting to like look at authors that may have been inspired by that or something. I, I don't know any specific things that I can trace directly to to that instance you know yeah no me neither i'm trying let me uh, we can talk about the other gay characters in his series too oh absolutely Uh, because and it's also interesting because there are canonically gay characters in the rick riordan verse but there's also like a couple characters that people have kind of just like adopted as gay um like reyna i lesbian reyna is is great but yeah. uh, I just have to say she she can't be a lesbian because she does have, like, overt feelings for Jason and Percy. Like, she bisexual queen, I'm period. here for it. Um, we need her in my corner here. <laughs> right? Uh, also, I don't th- think you guys read Magnus Chase, right? Mm-mm. No. Oh, but Magnus Chase has some fantastic representation right there. Good. Because Magnus is pansexual vaguely unconfirmed probably pansexual and they're dating alex fierro uh who's gender queer uh non-binary gen- non-gender conforming uh who is a great character rick riordan does a great job of creating queer representation and creating representation in general that is not tokenistic yes yep and i also think um in a way, I'm kind of stealing this from another show I watched, um, but it's 
it's very much like a world where like homophobia isn't the plot point, you know. Is this Shit's Creek? It is Shit's Creek, indeed. Um <laughs> I I did watch an interview where Dan Levy was like, I want to construct this universe where homophobia just isn't, you know, the issue for these people. And I was like, wow, that's so good. And I feel like Rick Riordan does a similar thing where he is mm. sort of like these people just live and they happen to have a different identity, but it's not their personality trait. It's not what defines what they go through like completely. Um, and it just feels very validating and humanizing. Oh I yeah, I agree. Um, I think this is interesting. I'm going to talk about an essay I wrote for a class once Do it, on a called six rounds of vengeance. Um, <gasps> Sorry. Which, yeah, I, I have mixed feelings about the representation in this play because I think there's it's hard to find the balance between creating uh, queer characters that aren't constrained by their identities, aren't tokenism, but also still having the reality that queer people experience because mm-hmm. the experience queer people go through does shape who they are. It's just not, def, doesn't define them, you know? And I I think Rick Riordan does a pretty good job of balancing that, especially with Nico. Um, I also know that Apollo is also bisexual, pansexual, um, mm-hmm. but it's it, I haven't <laughs> read Trials of Apollo yet, which I, I plan to do soon. One, one day, maybe we'll eventually get there. We're a lot of books there. from that. So maybe on my own, I, I will dive into that just because I'm curious. And yeah. that one's ending soon. <laughs> Senior year, we're like, we're finally here. <laughs> timing, timing wise, you might be pretty close, right? Really? That was a whole guess. <laughs> I don't know. I, maybe not. I don't know. Depends on the, every book's a different length. We'll That's see true. if we keep going two by two chapters. True. Right? True, true. I wonder I didn't finish the um, King Chronicles but I'm wondering if there's any representation in that there so the representation there's no like queer representation but there's like mm-hmm. people think of the so Sadie date it has like a love triangle thing with Anubis and I can't think of his name. The mortal guy. Um, and mm-hmm. in the end, we know how in the Cain Chronicles, the the gods like ho- have the a human host, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And then like he ends up hosting Anubis, and like she's like dating them both. So it's like poly representation there. Mm-hmm. Um, Interesting. And yes. it's like, is it? it I can say Sadie's Sadie's in a poly. Morris relationship but like I don't think they are so like I you know mm-hmm. just altogether not monogamous yeah I think it also are there any I don't know we're we're thinking about doing something related to the King Chronicles eventually somewhere um, mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember if there's any like God gods that are attributed one gender that are hosted in like a mortal of a different gender interesting 
I don't know. I can't remember if they are. If someone can think of that, please, like, message us about it, because I'm just curious to to, to think of that, because that just presents an interesting thing about, like, gender stuff. Yeah. I would... I wish there was more trans representation in the books, but I think Alex Fierro is a great non-binary character. And then Loki's also uh, genderqueer. We know that Artemis is asexual, but also maybe a lesbian, because they have that whole thing where they've sworn off women, off men, not off women. <laughs> that was my whole point is they sworn off men but like they ain't say nothing about about the women folk right so are all the hunters of artemis dating each other that's like the thing because so. when i think about zoe nightshade i do get the vibes and they don't come from <laughs> nowhere <laughs> and it's like i i don't know i like i think it she obviously i'm not gonna like I don't want to define any of them, but I think, like, there are spectrums to be explored, you know? <laughs> the ace spectrum, the, the, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's like, so if they can't be straight, right? Mm-hmm. They, like, they gotta fall somewhere on the lesbian asexual between there, because those oh, are their yeah. options, right? Yeah, yeah. It's really interesting, because I bet there are different versions of the myth, because um, there are different versions of, like, every myth um where it's like swearing off men period and swearing off like like any sort of romantic activity yes sworn to the virginity or to chastity and that's the thing because in ancient greece how do you define it's very interesting and like do we really know what ancient greece was like because it's all told to us by straight white men so like history has been appropriated do we really know what history was nope right yeah but I it's I don't know it's very interesting to examine because I know a lot of people think of ancient Greece as more like in a more modern sense like more liberal more free more open but like at the same time can we know but at the same time those assumptions have to come from somewhere it's like I I don't know. And there's that saying that was like, everyone was by then. <laughs> and I'm like, is that, is that the saying? <laughs> I mean, <yeah. laughs> is that a saying you just made up right now? Or do we will actually say that? <laughs> no, 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 no. I, so I condensed it. <laughs> um, but it's, it's definitely like, it, like there's that trope and like all of the, um, I know they say in like Parks and Rec where they're like, the Greeks were like gay, whatever. Um, it's just, it's very, I don't, oh my God, what am I trying to say? It's one thirty-five in the morning. But, but you know what I'm saying, where they were like, the Romans were like this like aggressive, like almost like this like aggressive, um, hostile, um, not like homophobic, but kind of like culture. And the Greeks were more like chill and way more lenient about sexuality. Um, but at the same time. Well, so it depends. Cause like. No, I know, because that's all going to be based in some really biased stuff. Yeah. I, 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 I have, we could go in on ancient Rome and ancient Greece because, mm-hmm. oh, my God. Oh, my God. And, like, I, I've written papers on, like, gay people in ancient civilizations. Yeah. Like, uh, I did a whole research 
study on Nero and mm. him being gay, but also maybe fucking his mom. Whoa. Right? Um, <laughs> uh, but also, was Greek society liberal? Do we just see that because they're the first democracy, but they weren't really a first democracy because they were an ol- oligarchy because only men could vote and only land-owning men could vote? And, like, that sounds a lot like uh, someplace we also know that's not really a democracy called America. <laughs> yeah. And it's also just so westernized. Like, when you think about those cultures, people are like, ah, oh, yeah, it's like everything came from Greece. And I'm like, no. <laughs> like, it's just like, that's what we're told. But that's what we're told from white Western history. So it's like, can we trust anything? The answer is no. But can we examine where these pieces of quote unquote information come from? Yes. So that's why I'm like a little, that's why I'm just very interested in like sexuality in ancient Greece. Cause I'm like, where did all of this come from? And like, in what way can we try to look for validity in it? I don't know. Hmm. Yeah. And you know, we can't talk about Rick Riordan being uh, a good ally and providing representation without shaming other popular fantasy authors no, who are bad at it. Um, namely, my favorite punching bag, J.K. Rowling. Oh, my God. Uh, if, if you want to hear me complain more about J.K. Rowling, actually, tomorrow on We Function Similarly, Elizabeth and I uh, <laughs> take a deep dive into ripping her to shreds. Um, Perfect. <laughs> But she's done bad, and but specifically, I guess, what's pertinent... Actually, there's a lot pertinent to this topic, but uh, if we're talking about representation, calling your character gay after selling your books and making the money off of it to, like, cash in that tokenism check <laughs> when you don't actually say anything about it in the books is cheap. Yeah. Mm. Um, and then making two movies that are like supposed to be about it um, and then like not actually being having anything gay in it except like Jude Law looking in a mirror at Johnny Depp being like (laughs) did anyone else see Grimes of Grindelwald (laughs) did anyone else in the world that's very funny to me (laughs) did anyone else in the world watch Grimes of Grindelwald it's a bad movie Um, And I hate J.K. Rowling, but I also kind of want more of those movies. I just want gay Dumbledore to be given justice, but also just give us real franchises with real gay characters and representation. Um, Mm -hmm. Right? Oh, I know. I get so heated about this. (laughs) Uh, Because it's like, it's very irritating to me. That, like, it's just so, I mean, I'm preaching to the choir here, but it's very hypocritical because it's, like, you know, like, sexuality is very much a thing that you were born with, very much not a thing that you can choose. And J.K. Rowling is just like, oh, I'm just going to choose to, no, straight woman, no, you are not. You are not going to choose a sexuality for a character out of nowhere and act like it just appeared because, first of all, that's not how sexuality works. Second of all, like, I just feel like she's not allowed to wield that kind of power. 
and uh, know, especially like, when she's a turf. Exactly. Oh my god. my god, the stuff that she has posted is so disgusting. I know. Has anyone read the essay? No, I don't know if I want to. Yeah, I don't really think. Yeah, I refuse to. I I will not give let me witness that hate. But I, I've I've listened to other people discussing the details of it, and she like claims to like she's like I have talked to the trans people. <laughs> Oh, to, <laughs> to all every one? single one. I have of talked to the trans to one. every single trans person. I have done the research. She's done all the research, all research on gender expression, and <laughs> has been done by J.K. Rowling. And she yeah. knows she is the utmost authority. Oh, of course, she majored in being a turf in college. Clearly, like <laughs> I do. The thing I do appreciate about the Harry Potter fandom is its appropriation of Harry Potter. You know, mm-hmm. like, it is now no longer J.K. Rowling's, and it's which nice. is why I can still, I think, enjoy the the world of it is because it's expanded way beyond her, and uh, I really like a lot of the like not universally accepted head canons, but the like more accepted, similar to to in Percy Jackson, how they're like how Rain is gay. Like I like the bisexual Harry. Um, perspective um Hermione's just black now like right like I think we've all agreed I think so love Emma Watson but right it's real it's just so interesting because I think that people authors in general like I think there's such an ease to like hide behind text and like not be perceived you know as the author whereas I feel like in tv and movies you can't do that as much like you're literally shoving real people you know in a whole other almost like dimension of like the artistic world like into your audience's face um and a lot more is on the line there um the stakes are just higher naturally but with books it's like people can try to get away with more because, like, if people don't look at the, the back cover of the book jacket, they're not going to know what the author looks like, you know, and they're not, it's not going to be real to them. And it's, you know, like, they're not going to pick up on, like, the covert um, tokenization and, you know, stuff like that. It's just, mm, it's hard with literature. It really is. Because, like, people skate by on, like, writing pretty words and fun stories. And it's like, mm, <laughs> someone's got to call you on it. <laughs> yeah. If, I'm trying to think. I guess some more recommendations of more clear queer literature um, that I can think of, specifically like if you're if you like Percy Jackson, um, if you like Percy Jackson and Harry Potter, Carry On by Rainbow Rowell. I will always recommend this book. Uh, it's it's very the the Harry Potter inspirations are very overt, but I enjoy it almost more. Now, because it's because it's gay, I think yeah. uh, it's almost like a dreary fan fiction, but like <laughs> written way better than fan fiction because it's a real book and not yeah. at all toxic like the whole dreary thing because Draco was a white supremacist, right? Like we all know that. That's really true. Um, and also Hero by Perry Moore. Uh, is like a superhero book. Uh, it's really good. It has 
uh, I, diverse characters and queer characters. And what else? Do you have any recommendations of other books? I, there's other media, too. Like, <laughs> not necessarily books. I will launch but... it to other media. I, I'm trying to think of other books. Honestly, it's difficult. I don't know. I mean, I think about, like, Mm, no no i don't know i'm suddenly blanking and don't remember what a book is so okay i have two more books to recommend (laughs) okay six of crows by lee bardugo it's a the first book in a series i've only read the first book in the series so far but it's very good it's very it's i read a lot of young adult fantasy because it's fun clearly if you haven't guessed that i like young adult fantasy if you're at this (laughs) podcast um and then The Fascinators by Andrew Alopoulos. I'm bad at saying names. But uh, I actually just read this book over quarantine because it just came out. Uh, and I'm lying because I don't read. I listen to audiobooks compulsively. Um, but it's about magic, but it's set in the real real world. It's pretty short. Um, it's cute. Hmm. Yeah. Um Nonfiction book recommendation if you're into nonfiction book. Uh, I've been reading The Deviant's War by Eric Saravini, which is uh, the the Deviant's War, the homosexual versus the U.S., which basically documents the fight for uh, queer rights over the course of history. Um, I'm only like a quarter through. So far, it's been very like white male centric. But I think it's not gonna keep being it. Maybe I'll update you on that in the future. It's, but it's super interesting because it's a lot of stuff that I've never heard about. Um, if you like hi- history, hmm. those are great. Wow, I had a solid. I don't know. I I blanked when I thought of any book other than Percy Jackson. <laughs> But wow, that's yeah, that's impressive. I wish I took in more like queer literature. I just I don't. I need to though. Yeah. Or just like read House of Hades again. <laughs> that's real. <laughs> and read Magnus Chase because Magnus Chase I is really should. good. I really should do that. Yeah. If you're here, if you're here listening to this podcast and haven't read Magnus Chase and are still into reading books, go for it. It's so fun. Reading books. Um, I don't know. While we're on a recommendation train, does anyone else have any like other queer media to recommend? We talking media in general? Can Just I, me- I, any media. Oh, Please. we know what I was gonna say. For the love of God, watch Shit's Creek. <laughs> and there we go. Fabulous. Okay, I, I'm, I'm so sorry. All of my friends have heard me talk about this show nonstop ever since the beginning of quarantine. Um, I honestly might start watching it just to know what the hype is about. Okay. I've never seen so much hype for one show come from one woman. Since, oh since you could not see Ava's face, I would just like to describe it for a second. You know the painting, The Scream? <laughs> That's the face she made. It's, um... Okay, so here's the thing with Shits Creek, is, um... You get this incredible queer representation kind of right out of the gate. Um, there's this incredible quote that um yes oh my god sorry i know what you're talking about (laughs) you know what i'm gonna say um one of the leads is talking about his sexuality and he identifies as pansexual 
And um, essentially he has just slept with um, one of his friends who's a girl and she's like, she fully, fully thought he was gay. Um, And so she's like, so, and they're like making this whole analogy. She's like, so you, you also like red wine as well as white wine. And he's like, well, I like the wine, not the label. And I just think that's fabulous. Okay. And then um, sort of it, it continues and it's not a thing. Like it, it continues and you see queer people be genuinely happy in media and not just because they've overcome anything. It's just, it's very touching. And you see parents who are genuinely supportive and homophobia doesn't exist to them, which is very special. Um, but I will caution you. Um, I had trouble getting into it just because like the first season and a half, um, personally for me went a little silly, but that's only because I'm so bad at getting into TV shows. Um, so if you start watching it, please push through for the genius of everyone involved. (laughs) When I say Catherine O'Hara is a comedic genius, just watch for that. If nothing else, like if the queer (laughs) representation, like if it's taking too long to get there, which it won't because it's amazing. Just watch for that. Like, it's just so great. Anyway, that's all. Thank you. <laughs> um, I have a couple more recommendations. Our time is on our Zoom call is almost is like slowly counting down on us. Uh, yeah. And I don't want to start a second one. So I'm going to I'm going to do a speed round of a couple more. Um, if you like fantasy, which you clearly do because of Percy Jackson, watch The Magicians. Uh, it's like an ad- adult version of like Harry Potter meets Narnia meets Percy Jackson stuff. Uh, very cool. The Percy Jackson similarities don't come till like a little later on when they get into like gods and stuff, but it's great once you get there. Um, Pose. Amazing show. Uh, I'm in the middle of watching it right now about the uh, trans black experience uh, and black queer experience. Uh, in a very realistic way, uh, and is great representation. Uh, similar, the movie Moonlight, I think we should all know about because it did win, like, best picture. Um, mm-hmm. There was one more thing I was going to say. Oh, I was, like, when we started this, recording this, I was in the middle of watching Disclosure, which is a documentary that just came out on Netflix, which is about trans representation in film throughout history and how that affects our perception of trans people and it's super interesting so far and i would recommend to watch it Mm -hmm. if i get around to it maybe i'll put a link to descriptions or to a list of like recommendations Mm -hmm. uh, in the description two more the remake of one day at a time absolutely wonderful representation also on um this one is less i'll you know, altogether representational. Um, but there is one um, bisexual character on House MD and she's absolutely fabulous. She navigates a world of like people not being understanding with such grace and I appreciate it a lot. And I love that because <laughs> bisexuals, you know? Okay, <sighs> that's all for me. <laughs> yeah, so that's all for this episode. Um, tune in on wednesday for our normal episode where we'll be back to rereading through the percy jackson series thank you for listening have a great pride (laughs) yeah happy pride